War has plagued humanity's narrative. People rise against people, nation against nation, race against race. But do not be deceived. People are not the true enemy. We know our enemy, and we will be aware of its strategy. This is war. Light is on. Okay, you're, you're hearing me now. Yes. I'm reminded of that little guy with, on the uh, cell phone commercial, you know, walking around. And Can you hear me now? Um, well, I'm David Beecham. I'm one of the pastoral elders here. Um, in light of the fact that it's football, starting today, I have a football question for you. Which football team cooks gourmet meals together? But of course, it's the Kansas City chefs. Okay, I'm a dad. I am allowed to tell dad jokes, just so you know. Okay. Um, 21 years ago this morning, I got up. I had already spent a year at University of Kansas studying world religions. I knew that we were basically in a conflict with uh, violent Islamists, like what I call them. Um, and that morning I was uh, fairly new on the faculty of the Command and General Staff College. And as the morning progressed, I found out about a plane that had impacted one of the World Trade Center buildings. And my first thought, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think I was alone. I was thinking, oh, it's a little tiny plane, and he, the pilot got messed up, and he hit the building. And I thought that was very tragic, but I said, well, it'll go on. And then it wasn't that much later that found out that another plane hit the other World Trade Center building, and they weren't just small little planes, but they were commercial airlines full of people. And as the morning unfolded, I watched both of the World Trade Center buildings fall to the ground. And I knew right then and there that my life as uh, an army chaplain had changed fundamentally. Uh, physical war has that impact. Um, my career fundamentally changed. Um, lots of people were impacted. We are talking about not physical war this morning. We're talking about spiritual war. Um, the serious big idea that we've talked on is that there is a war on truth. And I believe that. There is a war on truth. Um, truth is under attack. So we got to figure out truth one way or the other. That's the serious big idea. And we will not be deceived when we know who God is and who we are in Christ. Now we're going to be really hitting hard this serious big idea 
as a wrap-up to this series for this fifth message. And the way that we're going to be doing that, I'm, I like hanging out on a biblical passage and going verse by verse um, and just kind of allowing me to pontificate on God's Word. This morning I'm going to be doing a little bit different and I'm going to share about six different scripture passages and I'll explain some of the background on those six passages and then come to a truth from those six passages before we move on in the message. Um, the first passage and is out of John chapter 1. John cha- the whole Gospel of John is a little different. I don't know if you've noticed that. As you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic Gospels. I will quiz you later. <laughs> and they're under the same type of outline. And that's what makes them the synoptic Gospels. Gospel of John is different, fundamentally different. It was the last Gospel written, and John who intimately knew Jesus, gave a different perspective on the life and teachings of Jesus. It's really cool, his, what, I, what people call the preamble to the gospel. It's the, most of chapter 1. But he goes all the way to the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1, sounds a lot like Genesis 1, 1. Because he says, in the beginning... Just like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Here in John, 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 John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow. John here is talking about Jesus being the Word. And as you read the entire verses, it's very obvious. He's talking about Jesus being God Almighty. No doubt at all. And he was there as part of the creation story. We get to verse 14, and that's where I want to start. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Just like Ryan shared about Jesus being human being. That's what John is talking about. There was no doubt in John's mind. He interacted with Jesus, followed Jesus, knew when he went to the bathroom, and things like that. You know, just think about being being a human being. And John is saying, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made His dwelling among us. But then he goes on and says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. We're reminded of that same phrase in John 3.16. Many of us have memorized that. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, unique Son, who came from the Father. In other words, Jesus did not originate in this world. He originated in heaven with God the Father. And I'm going to camp out on these last uh, words of this verse. It says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now, grace is 
sometimes, you know, how do you define grace? Um, a lot of people say, well, grace is unmerited favor. Well, like I'm going to go around and say, hey, I want to give you some unmerited favor today. <laughs> uh, that's not something that really comes natural to me. So I've kind of thought about grace being unconditional love. And I believe that's accurate. Jesus came with that agape love, with unconditional love. We like to think of Jesus, and sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we only want to share and talk about the love of God. But Jesus didn't just come with this unconditional love. He also came full of truth. So it's love and truth. It's a both and. Sometimes we just say, oh, I just love my neighbor. But we don't talk about truth with our neighbor. Well, Jesus came full of grace and truth, full of love and truth. So here's the truth that I get out of this. Jesus, Jesus himself models how I interact with the world. Wow. He loves unconditionally and speaks truth without compromise. That's what Jesus did. I want to model that as I interact with the world. Are we going to interact with the world? You betcha. We're all going to do it. We're doing it right now. <laughs> we have cell phones. <laughs> We're doing things every day that we interact with the world. Jesus came into the world and interacted with the world with unconditional love and with truth without compromise. Let's go on and Look at another passage now. And this is out of John also. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I went to Sam Houston State University. Anyone know where that is? Oh, yes, I see a few hands. They're, they're probably from Texas. <laughs> Sam Houston State University is in Huntsville, Texas. And on the library, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I dare say that phrase is on a lot of libraries across the universities of our land. What they don't share and what a lot of people don't understand is the first part of the verse. If you hold to my teaching, you, will, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the key to this verse is he's looking at the Jews who thought they believed in Jesus, but he said, if you are really my disciples, got a question, do you really want to be a disciple of Jesus? Do you really, really want to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, Jesus says to really be a disciple of mine, you've got to hold to my teaching. Well, we've got to figure out what the teaching of Jesus is. What is the teaching of Jesus? Well, 
hey, let's face it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a given, right? They, they tell the story of Jesus pretty straightforward from four different perspectives. So we can check that block. Yes, that contains the teachings of Jesus. We probably need to know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What about the rest of the New Testament? How did we come up with the rest of the New Testament? All of the authors not only knew Jesus, but they had a personal face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Even Paul, on the road to Damascus, had a personal encounter with Jesus in the flesh. Wow. Okay, so that means that we can check off the rest of the New Testament as the teachings of Jesus. I think that's pretty important. Okay, now we've got the New Testament. What about the Old Testament? Well, it's a little different. Kind of foreshadows Jesus. Tells the story about the nation of Israel primarily. And so Jesus came, it says, to fulfill the law and the prophets. But something else neat, Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. And so, yes, we do need to read the Old Testament a little bit differently. So, for example, we don't have to sacrifice stuff on an altar anymore. Jesus did that for us. But the Old Testament inspires us with stories. And so the whole Bible becomes the teachings not only of Jesus, but the stories that Jesus himself embraced. Wow. So here's the truth. The teachings of Jesus allow me to know truth. And it will set me free. Wow. Let's move on to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, verses 13 and 14 says this. And you talk about a war uh, theme. These verses contain the war theme, the armor of God. Well, it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it doesn't say if, it says when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Did you catch that? Three different times he's using the word stand. There's even a verse in Daniel that talks about standing firm. We need to stand firm in how we know God. We need to stand firm in looking back over the entire word of God to embrace biblical truth. That's how we stand firm and that's how we embrace truth. So, the truth is, truth allows me to stand firm when I face my enemies. And we will face our enemies. But it's the truth that allows me to stand firm. What is the truth? How do we know the truth? You're going to hear this over and over in the end of this message. We go to God's Word. We go to the Bible. Wow. Let's go to 2 Corinthians and find out what it has to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, says this. For though we live in the world, do you live in the world? 
Yes, we interact with the world just like Jesus interacted with the world. We live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, we're not talking about physical war here. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. You know, when, when Peter was with Jesus in the Garden of the Gethsemane, he had a sword, and he was saying, hey, I'm going to be involved in a physical war. And he sliced off the ear of a poor fellow that was standing too close. And Jesus said, put that sword away. And we also find out that Jesus healed the ear. That's probably a good thing. Um, but the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay, I want to know what my weapon is. Don't you? Well, I, I kind of gave a hint earlier. What were the weapons that Jesus came with? How did Jesus come into the world? And Jesus, I believe, gives us the clue. My weapons are unconditional love and truth without compromise. My weapons are unconditional love. You don't think of love as being a weapon, but it is. We just love people. But we also speak the truth without compromise. Those are our two weapons. Love and truth. It also says in this verse is that they have divine power. These weapons have divine power to, to demolish strongholds. In other words, these false arguments. And so I recognize false arguments by knowing God. How do you know God? It's a theme. <laughs> you know God's Word. The Bible. Spot on. The Bible. We know the Bible. Goodness sakes. You know, I was a, I'm a uh, retired Army chaplain. And uh, I, I would love to say that well before I became an Army chaplain uh, that I had embraced reading God's Word cover to cover. I had not. The first time I did that was when I went to Korea alone without my family. Took me more than a year. Took me 18 months to do it. But guess what? In 18 months, I read the Bible cover to cover. That's a good thing. So, in other words, start. Do it. Don't beat yourself up. And guess what? Since then, I've, I've been very consistent. I've now read through the Bible cover to cover at least 30 times. I continue to learn. It's for all of us. So, I've got the question for you. Do you know God's Word? Do you? How well do you know? You know, you know Jesus knew God's Word. Let's, let's just take a look and see. Uh, we are on four. We're going to go to five. <laughs> the fifth passage is about the temptation of Jesus. There are three encounters here that Jesus had with Satan himself, with the devil. Let's learn. There's a consistency in how Jesus handled the devil. I know that you can identify it. So let's look, read the first encounter. It says, The devil said to him, this is in Luke chapter 4, the, starting in verse 3, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. Second encounter. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Hey, I think we're starting to see how Jesus answered. He answered with biblical truth because he knew the Bible. He knew what he was sharing. Well, at this point, devil says, well, I've got to turn things around. I'm going to use Scripture against Jesus. Not a good idea. (laughs) If anyone knows Scripture, Jesus knows Scripture. And so Jesus uh, responds to the devil. The devil said, let him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered again with Scripture. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knew Scripture. Now I dare say, Most of us don't know Scripture as well as Jesus did. But the only way we're going to know Scripture is by reading it consistently and incorporating it and trusting the Holy Spirit to give us biblical truth. I say read no less than at least one chapter every single day. Let it be a different chapter generally. But read it every single day. I challenge you, incorporate it into your lifestyle of following Jesus and knowing his word cover to cover every single year. You got Bible apps that break it down in wonderful ways. Talk to me afterwards and I'll, I'll make sure you know what those Bible apps are. And so just like Jesus, here's the truth, just like Jesus, I know and use the Bible to speak the truth. How do I know the truth? Because I use the Bible. And I'm like Jesus, becoming like Jesus. That's part of our mission statement here at Westside. One last scripture. And it's talking about spiritual warfare again. Paul is to the Ephesians. He says here in uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 14 and 15, he says, Then we will no longer be infants. Who are infants? People who don't know God's word. I'll I'll, I'll just put it like that. We got a lot of infants in our churches. If you are an infant, it's time to start growing up. And you grow up through God's word. Okay. Then Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, 
we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. What is the truth? Knowing God is the truth. Knowing his word is how we know God. Story of Isaiah, it's just such a wonderful story, Isaiah chapter 6. He had an encounter with God. He embraced who God was, and he understood who he was as a result of having this wonderful experience of seeing who God is. And he knew immediately that he was a sinner. I don't believe that we can understand that we need a Savior in our lives until we understand and know who God is. That happens through the the Holy Spirit. That can happen directly to us. But after we are wanting to be disciples of Jesus, we hold to the teachings of Jesus by knowing the teachings of Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. Okay. What do we learn from this verse? Well, hey, I learned that I can speak the truth in love. Always put it together. Speaking the truth in love. Are there those who just speak the truth but don't have love? Yeah. Uh, Westboro Baptist is a group over in Topeka. They've become a very small group. They're not very popular. But they are known for their hate, and yet they they say that they're following Jesus. They're not, because they're not speaking the truth in love. Okay, John Mark Comer. We've been reading this quote for the last five weeks. Um, Who is John? Who's John Mark Comer? (laughs) Well, I I felt like I needed to figure out who John Mark Comer is. He wrote this book, Live No Lies. Well, he's a pastor in Portland. And he has written this book and a few others as well. And this quote is from his book, and it's a good quote. It's a very biblically sound quote. You can read it there. We are at war with the world, our flesh, and the devil. Three, three parts of our warfare. That's who our enemies are. The three enemies stratagem, deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. Now think about that. That is a strategy. You start with the deceitful ideas from the devil. He's planting all of these deceitful ideas. But what do they lead to? Very often they lead directly into disordered desires. And those disordered desires allowed to grow and multiply become normalized in a sinful society, in a sinful world. Right now in our world, I will strongly suggest that we have a lot of deceit going on. How on earth can we even recognize the deceit? Oh, it's a theme today. (laughs) The Bible. We know the truth because we read the Bible. We embrace the truth found therein. Is it a hard book? 
Oh, you bet. In fact, first time through, I don't necessarily recommend that you read every word in Leviticus. <laughs> you can skim it some. That's why I like reading a Bible plan that has an Old Testament reading, a New Testament re reading, and a psalm or a proverb. Because I'm getting New Testament every single day. And the passions and emotions found in the psalms every single day. Okay. Now I'm going to precede this next series of statements with the statement that every single one of these ideas is a message series. I'm not going to preach on them. But I'm putting them up because I am very confident that they are all deceitful ideas. Now, if you want to talk to me after the sermon about any of these ideas, I will be right here with my calendar, and we'll set up a time that we can have coffee and have a further discussion about them, okay? But here's the deceitful ideas. Do you recognize them as deceitful ideas? In order to recognize them, you're going to have to know the truth. Here's the first one. God used evolution since evolution is a scientific fact. That is a deceitful idea. I'll talk a little bit more about it in just a moment. How about this? This sounds so good. Marriage is a relationship between any people who love each other. As far as the Bible is concerned, that is a deceitful idea. Here's the next one. Gender may not be the sex a person was born with. Deceitful idea. Not in line with biblical truth at all. Now, do we have, can we force people to accept biblical truth? No, we can't. We can't say, doggone it, you need to listen to me, and we pound them over the head with a Bible. No. That is not speaking the truth in love. <laughs> we speak the truth in love may mean that we have to just love people and say, Holy Spirit, you're in charge. You lead them to the truth, but I'm going to plant the seeds. Here's the last one. Women have a choice since they control their own bodies. Wow. Wow. Okay, those are examples of deceitful ideas. Again, if you want to talk further about these deceitful ideas, I'll be up front and we can make a calendar appointment. How do you respond when you recognize something as a deceitful idea and you have embraced truth? Here's how you respond. Number one, I must know God and know truth. This is a theme. I, in order to know God and know truth... You go to the Bible. How about the second one? I follow the teachings of Jesus by knowing the Bible. Again, if you don't leave with any other thing, I hope you leave this morning with seeing David Beecham 
challenged me to embrace God's Word, incorporating it into your daily life to demonstrate that you are a disciple of Jesus and follow Jesus by holding to his teachings. This third one, I don't know if we've we've thought about as much. I may have to use non-biblical facts. Where do non-biblical facts come from? Well, God is the author of truth. And so God gives us truth even outside of the Bible. Over the past 50 years, we know a lot more about DNA than we used to, for example. I was, in fact, I'm very convinced of this, knowing that I have a math degree in my undergraduate work. I like numbers. <laughs> and I have also learned about DNA and listened to mathematicians who are smarter than me argue about Darwin and all of them who have been open-mindedness, have had been open-minded enough to consider the facts have come to the conclusion, and I've come to the same conclusion, Darwin, macroevolution, is not improbable. It's impossible. So that first deceitful statement, God used evolution because, because evolution is a scientific fact, that's full of lo- a lie. And a big way that we respond to that is by using non-biblical fact. Here's the last one. Again, you've heard it before. I need to speak the truth in love. Okay, that's dealing with deceitful ideas. How about recognizing disordered desires? We're moving from the external to the internal. Let's look at them real quick. Disordered desires can be the result of deceitful ideas. (laughs) When you think about all the deceitful ideas having to do with sexuality, there's a lot of disordered desires having to do with sexuality. Number two, disordered desires can be the result of worldly or fleshly passions. In fact, I'll even share a personal story here in just a moment. whether it be greed or addictions or whatever the case may be, worldly and fleshly passions can get the best of us. Disordered desires marginalize our love for God and our love for others. Why is that? Because we're focused in on our desires instead of God or others. So that really leads right directly into the last point I want to make, which is disordered desires become a priority that replace our love for God. When our priorities are out of whack, that means that we are disordered. So, how do we deal with disordered desires? Number one, start with committing to know God through His Word. Again, theme... We've got to know God through His Word. Number two, we've just got to be reminded that Jesus loves us and that the world, the flesh, and the devil are the enemies. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. The the little phrase, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. How do we know? We, are, we know the Bible. Jesus loves me. And we take every thought captive and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every thought that is out of order. My jump number 61, I broke my pelvic ring. I do not recommend that. Went through a lot of pain, a lot of several surgeries, um, convalescent, went back to Italy where the uh, jump occurred. And uh, they told me that I was not going to deploy with my unit. I was with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. I was looking forward to deploying because I hadn't gotten to deploy, go to war yet. It was part of me being a successful chaplain. My disordered desire was that I wanted to be in control, and I spent a week trying to convince people that they were wrong because they wanted to send me to Germany. Well, I wanted to go to Afghanistan and be with my unit. God got a hold of me on a Thursday morning at a chapel in Italy, and he said, David, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to fix this, God. <laughs> and um, then God asked me again, David, what are you doing? Apparently the first answer was wrong. <laughs> and I had to be honest with God and say, I, I got my priorities all messed up. I'm, I'm not trusting you. You see, the disordered desires will get us every time because it gets our eyes off of God. So this last point is that we speak the Bible into my, our minds. Sometimes we talk about speaking the truth of, in love and we talk about the external. Perhaps even more important is dealing with the internal. So the teaching big idea is this. I know God by knowing the Bible. You've heard that a few times. I know God by knowing the Bible and I speak the truth in love to others and myself. How do you speak the truth in love to yourself? You get it out of God's Word. How do you respond to this message? Well, I would suggest to you that if you're sitting there and you're really wanting to be a disciple of Jesus, and you have not incorporated holding to the teachings of Jesus every day as a lifestyle of being a disciple of Jesus, then you need to look in the mirror. The first step is embracing God's Word. We're going to have prayer partners on the sides here. I'm going to be up front more than willing to have an appointment with you about anything that I've shared today. But may we be challenged to respond by knowing God's word and speaking the truth in love. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Today, as we get ready to depart, Lord, I just ask that you would be glorified in everything we say and do. But Lord, may we commit to knowing you. And the only way that we can really know you 
and know Jesus is by holding to the teachings that we find in your word. Today, may we commit to doing that. Today, may we always commit to speaking to others and to ourselves, speaking truth with love. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.